Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh. This is episode number 52. So first off, happy birthday to the podcast. One year. Uh, Super excited about that. Got a great, great, great guest on this episode. Um, I thought, you know, for the one year anniversary, we should do something pretty cool. We should have an awesome guest. Um, You know, all my guests have been super cool. But this is one that I really wanted to to be able to deliver. Um, And hopefully you guys enjoy this episode, this conversation. Um, I've got Shane Told of Silverstein. He's also the host of Lead Singer Syndrome, which is a podcast that you all need to go subscribe to. Um, And yeah, it was an awesome conversation. We kind of talked about a lot of different things. Um, Talked about him meeting Dee Snyder, talked about the, the podcast that he has and kind of what shape that all has taken over the years. Um, We've talked about the band and what life on tour is like, especially when COVID hit. So that was a pretty cool part of the conversation. We talk about, um, you know, they were on the road for their 20th anniversary tour and got the call that COVID was shutting everything down really. So, um, super, super stoked for you guys to hear this episode, hear this conversation. Uh, be sure that you follow lead singer syndrome. I'll say it again at the end of the episode, I'm sure, but Shane's doing some incredible stuff. Uh, I've been a huge fan of Silverstein pretty much since day one. I mean, literally, from the first time I heard them, I was I was hooked. So could not have asked for a better person, I think, for my one-year anniversary. I've talked to Shane once in the past, um, I believe, at a warp Tour. I think that's the only other time that we've ever talked. And he was super cool then. And that was like eight or nine years ago. So super cool to reconnect with him. Super excited because of how generous with his time he was. Um, And yeah, it, it was just a great time. So let's jump into my conversation with Shane Told of Silverstein and the host of Lead Singer Syndrome. Hey, man. Hey, man. We do an audio, right? Yeah, it's all going to be audio, so video or audio doesn't matter to me. Cool. Yeah, I just prefer audio so I don't have to hold the phone. Oh, you're all good, man. <laughs> all good. You know what I you know well, you, you know what I mean, right? I don't have to like yeah. stay in camera. Yeah, no, I got you. <laughs> How's it going? I can also hear you usually hear you better too, and I have the phone against my head. Right. Uh no, dude, I'm good, man. I'm good. I just woke up uh um and getting my day started and uh all in all, you know, like another another day uh in twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah, and that's been the real trick, hasn't it? 2020 is just a shit show. Yeah, that's a pretty good word for it. <laughs> yeah, it's been, uh, it's been, you know, like like on a on a like fairly positive and fairly real note, you know, I I think it's given me a chance at this kind of stage in my life and and like career to sort of like just take a step 
uh, back and, you know, uh, focus a little bit on some of the other things in my life that has maybe like sort of been neglected for uh, the better part of 20 years, right. you know, um, I'm, I tell you, like, I've never been better at cooking in my life <laughs> than I am, you know, all the recipes and all the, the stuff I've made, like I've always enjoyed something simple like cooking. I always enjoyed it. But, you know, now that I've had that kind of time, it's, you know, it's different. And, and not to mention all the other uh, repairs and, and, you know, I've always been a pretty handy guy, but, right. you know, I've pretty much renovated my whole house at this point. Yeah. So, you know, there's things like that. And then, of course, like my relationship being home this much is like as long as I've pretty much ever been a, been not, you know, not going away on tour and stuff. So, you know, it's a different dynamic in my life like that. So, yeah, yeah man, that's, it's a shit show for sure. And like, especially like, I mean, like the, the political side and everything right. has been just so crazy. That's kind of like, that's just, that was sort of the unexpected part, I guess. Um, but, but like, you know, just the, the not being able to go on tour part, uh, yes, pretty yeah. messed up. Yeah. And I think, you know, I use the word shit show, but I, I agree. Like at least initially, I think it was because of how very ill prepared we all were to kind of take something like that on, you know what I mean? And then like now here we are six, seven months later and it's like, okay, I mean, I can deal with it. It's given me time. Like for me, my day job, I'm an insurance agent. Now I'm just working from home instead of going into the office. Like it, it's minor adjustments, but it's worked out really well. Cause I've been right. able to same thing, like do some renovations around the house and just, you know, focus on, on the little things that a nine to five job makes you forget about. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. No, one of my best friends is an insurance agent too. Actually, he, uh, yeah, he's he's been he's been at home and and personally he loves it. Yeah, he even got rid of his car. <laughs> I haven't went that far. <laughs> he's like, I don't need a car. <laughs> yeah, he, he's well, him and him and his wife. Um, they're both they're both uh, working from home. Right. And they're like, why do we need two cars? So they they got rid of one of their cars, and yeah. you know. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, the, those kinds of adjustments, those are the kinds of things that when the ball dropped on New Year's Eve, uh, you know, uh, uh, the beginning of the year, you know, nobody saw it coming. Right. And, you know, you're right about like about the the adjustments. But, you know, uh, I like to think and for the most part, I try to be, you know, pretty resilient mm -hmm. and stay pretty positive. I think I think human beings are capable of that, you know, but of course, it's easier said than done. And, and I, I don't think it's good to downplay the major changes because for some people it's much more difficult. And, and especially like the, the mental health aspect right. of this whole thing too, is something that often gets overlooked. And, um, you know, I've been surprisingly all right at the beginning of the whole thing. I think it was a little tougher just cause you know, hadn't come to terms with it yet maybe, but right now, man, it's, Hey, it is what it is. I'm, I'm just kind of, kind of uh, making the best of it. Yeah, and um, you know, definitely, I think there's a few things that you touched on there that I definitely want to talk about uh, throughout the episode or conversation that we have. But you know, I think um, that there's, it's amazing how long this year feels. You know what I mean? Like, I just talked to Michaela uh, Delegato from Yours Truly. And they're in Australia. Oh, yeah. um, and 
I talked to her at the beginning of the year. And, you know, that's when the Australian wildfires were going on. And we just talked right before the release of mm-hmm. their new album. And I'm like, can you believe that, like, it seems like it was so long ago, but your country was on fire the last time we talked, and now it's just shut down entirely. Like, it's an insane mm-hmm. yeah. year that they've been through. Yeah, it goes from literally on fire to figuratively on right. fire. <laughs> right. um, yeah, yeah, no, that's actually funny you bring that up, because I was in Australia during that, right. during the fires. Yeah. We, we played festival a festival there and it was yeah it was pretty it was pretty crazy and not to mention after after we did that we flew to to the Philippines we played a show in Manila and we got stuck there because a volcano erupted <laughs> and we couldn't fly fly out for like well, they didn't know how long right because you can't you can't fly a plane through volcanic ash you know right. remnants in the sky so we were stuck in the Philippines and, you know, so like that was, yeah, man, that was in January of this year. And yeah, it feels like, it feels like five years ago. Yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Awesome, man. That's so weird, dude. Yeah. You know, I, I think most people will know who you are uh, simply by your name, but just kind of, um, if you could tell people, you know, your name and, Kind of your projects, because you've got Silverstein, you've got Lead Singer Syndrome, you know, like, you're, you're kind of yeah. a busy dude. <laughs> yeah, well, those are, those are the ones that take up the most amount of my time. Yeah, it's, my name is Shane Told, and uh, I sing for Silverstein, and then I have the podcast Lead Singer Syndrome, which I've had for almost five years now. And, uh, yeah, I put out weekly episodes that I talk to other lead singers uh the the range of guests is pretty pretty crazy and uh yeah i have a solo project uh that i called river oaks that i just put out one ep a few years ago but people are constantly bothering me about when i'm going to put out a new right. uh, new music for that so that's kind of something that's just been like on like the back burner but like on the back burner of like a professional chef's uh like you know right eight burner stove you know like there's a lot of burners you're right so it's on one of the the very very far far back burners but i but i am i do constantly think about it yeah and work on it but it's just i'm very slow uh sometimes with my projects um i guess those are kind of the main the main three things uh unless i'm forgetting something but yeah those the definitely these days with with being home uh, the podcast is, has been kind of a, a, a main thing that I, you know, I, I work on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the podcast is definitely something that I wanted to, to talk about because a, it was part of the inspiration in, in me, uh, starting mine and whatnot. You know, I've listened to it for a couple years now. Um, you know, I wasn't religious cool. about it initially, but over the last probably year and a half, I've been pretty religious about it. Um, you know, and I had emailed you, uh, right around last year when uh, I was starting to kick it off just for some ideas on, you know, best way to get better audio and stuff like that. And you responded, which was really uh, encouraging for me. So I do sure. appreciate that. For yeah, sure. sure. Of course, man. Yeah. Um, so talking about the, the podcast and some of the guests you've had, I mean, you've literally had like everybody from uh, 311 to you know, um, movements most recently, Stand Atlantic, 
uh, D. Snyder from Twisted Sister. I mean, talk a little bit about kind of the almost, I guess, at least in my point of view, the surreal experience of being able to talk to some of these people that, you know, like D. Snyder and you probably never normally would cross paths, but through the podcast and through that appreciation of, of music and being lead singers, it, it happened and was a really killer conversation. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's 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 cool, you know. I think the whole idea of the podcast, you know, Lead Singer Syndrome and and you know, me being me doing this job and literally, you know, anybody that that qualifies as a lead singer in any genre of any age, you know, the whole idea is to kind of get their take and get a bunch of different takes. So, you compare someone like um uh, Bonnie from Stand Atlantic to uh, D. Snyder, it's kind of ridiculous, you know. Right. Like you could, you literally couldn't find two people further apart in age, in where they're from, in their music, and you know, one one's like a a man in his sixties, and the other is a, a girl in her twenties, right? right? So, you know, it's it's it really is like it runs the the gamut, and that's kind of the point, you know, of getting all those different takes. And it's funny that you bring up that that D. Snyder and I maybe would never have crossed paths. That's actually not true. I actually did meet D. Snyder oh. <laughs> before, and I don't think I had time in the episode to talk to him about it. But and it was kind of a, a funny, strange meeting. <laughs> we were at a festival in um, England. Mm-hmm. It's called Download Festival. It's, yeah. it's a pretty big one. It's like, yeah, it's like there's I don't know, like sixty. 70,000 people go to this thing so we uh we were playing a bunch of shows in in mainland europe and we had this one it was like our last show of the tour in summertime you know or, or early summertime or whatever and we flew in so we didn't have a bus we didn't have like anywhere to go so we flew in we had a van pick us up from the airport and bring us to this this festival and it was like horrible pouring rain you know, like just a shitty day. Right. So we get to the festival. We're not, none of us are in particularly good mood. Like we had to get up early in the morning to fly. And so we get to this festival and it was like horrible. Like we, first of all, we were headlining the third stage. So we were dead last on the third stage. Right. So, you know, our, our name was pretty big on the poster, but we, we had, um, they, they told us that our dressing room wasn't going to be ready until like, eight o'clock and we're like oh well that's kind of a problem because it, it at the time it was like it was like 2 30 right you know and um so we're like okay well what are we going to do for five five and a half hours in the pouring rain like if we don't have anywhere to go <laughs> we didn't they didn't have anywhere to put our stuff or anything and they're like oh it's fine you can hang out in in the catering the catering area and we're like all right well i guess so we're sitting in the catering area, and um, the the catering uh, area was fucking outside. <laughs> so it was covered with like tents and stuff, but it was like it was cold, you right. know. It was like not a nice day, cold, windy, wet. So you know, we go up, and then they didn't have anything vegetarian, like except like r- like white rice and some like vegetables that have been sitting in a slow cooker for like 
you know, right, entirely seven too hours. long. <laughs> it was like real. It was really rough. So, anyways, uh, D. Snyder was was, I guess, in the same boat as us. Um, and he was there with his family, sitting in the catering, looking miserable. And he, him, and his like his wife and daughter were like there. And I just was like, ah, fuck. He seems like a nice guy. Right. I'm like gonna go talk to him. And I just like went up and like said a couple things to him, and he, he. He didn't seem very interested in talking to me, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but like I always say, you know, like you can't let like I, I'm pretty nice to everybody that I've ever met that's ever come up to me or ever you know spotted me. Right. I'd say like 99% of the time, like nine, like literally 99 out of 100 people, I think it's been like I've been nice and like you know like I've I've, I've you know I've been respectful and and all that, right? Because right. that's it's you know I want people to to like me, but there's like that one out of a hundred where someone just catches me at a super weird moment, you know, like yeah. like I'm distracted or or like something just happens and that's some devastating news or like I don't know like any any like number of things could happen. So whenever I meet somebody, I'm like I could be that one out of a hundred, you know, that's like I'm just catching this person that I really inopportune time or whatever so anyway yeah so i did i have uh i have met d snyder one time many years ago yeah. um but yeah they, sorry to i go off on You're tangents fine. and long-winded <laughs> stories if you listen to my podcast you know this sometimes happens but <laughs> see when i'm hosting the show i have to re- i'm the one that kind of reels it in right so when i'm when i'm a guest on a podcast i just i go crazy yeah <laughs> uh, but but anyway man yeah no so yeah the, the podcast um has a lot of a lot of wide range of guests and and I feel like I feel really good about just about every episode. You know, I think um, I do my homework and I try to find a narrative within each episode that you know is something interesting because I really do believe anybody, just just people in general, everybody has something interesting to say or an interesting story. Right. But when you talk about people that have you know traveled the world playing music for years. It's very, very easy to find people with interesting stories. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like you said, on the D. Snyder thing, like, it sounds like he was in the same boat as you as far as, like, it's a miserable day. He was probably not thrilled that him and his family had to sit outside. So, like, you probably were that that just one-off guy that, look, man, it's a shit situation. I don't want to be around anybody. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Yeah. That's That's... I'm like hundred percent sure. I'm hundred percent sure that first of all, he wouldn't remember. Right. And, and, uh, that's just why I didn't bring it up and that it was just one of those incidents. And he wasn't like, don't get me wrong. He wasn't like a dick or anything. Yeah. It was just, it was very, very clear that, that he wasn't in the mood. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which I mean, you to, know, to humor me from, from your description there, it sounds like the, the movie version of a England day. You know what I mean? Just rainy, nasty day. So, you know, nobody's going to be super thrilled about that, especially I have, I imagine Twisted Sister was pretty high up on the card, right? They were probably main stage or second stage. So to be yeah, I, sat I think, down for a while. Yeah, I, I can't recall that. I, I remember we were we were headlining the, the third stage and like because of that, they only had so many dressing rooms. We, we didn't get our dressing room until like a band that played earlier you know, could, could like vacate. And then, right. you know, so it was like a schedule because there yeah. weren't enough dressing rooms, but 
but by the time we went on stage, we were so miserable and cold and like, fuck this. We, we told, um, we told the people of, of England that we were never coming back <laughs> and we, uh, and we didn't come back for like five, four or five years. Wow. Was that an intentional <laughs> thing or was it just nothing ever lined up? <laughs> Well, like we no, it was kind of it was kind of intentional because we well, first of all, when we played, we we hadn't played England. We hadn't played. First of all, okay, um, England is is has been actually really good for us in the last few years. We've had some really really good shows, but like in in terms of international touring, we've always done so much better and had so much m- more fun. Um, with the shows we played in like mainland Europe, like in Germany and, yeah. and, you know, Austria and, and stuff like that. So we, we, uh, I don't know, the UK was just always a tough nut to crack for us and our shows never did as well. And, and so that was, I think in a moment of, uh, frustration, I said that, and then we didn't have any plans to come back. And then the next tour we didn't book, didn't go there. And then after like a while, it was like, People were like, that thing you said on stage, were you, like, serious? <laughs> and then that, like, I, I, I honestly, I think that that kind of helped our career a little bit over there because, you know, yeah. the UK is so press-driven and they're so, like, you know, they're so into that side of things that when I said something remotely controversial, it made me, like, cooler. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, people actually wanted to go to our shows or whatever. Yeah, so and then stupid. especially because you didn't come back right away or anything, like, people were like, oh, shit, like, maybe they're really only going to be here once every three years or every four years, you know, like, we've got to show up oh, now. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, we, yeah, well, it was, yeah, it was less than that. I don't, I don't remember. We have a tour archive on our website. You could, you could look, look right. up how far between UK dates if you, if you were really bored. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, we we like pretty much were intending on on you know not coming back for a very long time and, and it was like it was a long it was years right and we you know we didn't really care we, we you know we've always done well in other places um but you know like the u.s and canada and and mainland europe and australia and you name it so we were kind of like well why are we going to waste our time you know going somewhere where they treat us like shit that was right. kind of like our point but um you know, years later, I'm like, I was, that was maybe a little childish and stupid. And, and now like the last time we played in London, we sold out, like we sold out two nights in a, in a pretty big venue. So, you know, obviously it, you know, we've, we've, we've gotten over that. And, right. And I think the people of the fine people of the United Kingdom have forgotten. So <laughs> we're forgiven at least. So, um, with the podcast, is there any artist that was kind of a, and, and maybe D was one of them, like a bucket list person for you that when you started the podcast, you're like, here's somebody on my I need to talk to list. Yeah, I think, I think you know when you when you started when I started the thing, I didn't really know, you know, you don't really know the direction or or like how it's gonna kind of, which way it's gonna go, you know, right. But there were certainly some names um, in the back of my mind that I knew I wanted to try for. And I think the, the biggest one was uh, Fat Mike from No Effects. Yeah. Because uh, No Effects is, is probably my favorite band of all time. Um, I used to say they were. Now it's like 
you know, there's a lot of bands, right? <laughs> uh, but they're they're definitely up there, and and uh, and he's a person that I've, you know, I wouldn't say we're like close friends or anything, but we spent quite a lot of time on those warp tours over the years, you know, playing poker and hanging out and stuff, and and he's just such an interesting guy, and he's he's misunderstood in a lot of ways too, and I really wanted to have him on the show to kind of, I don't know, kind of like get a side out of him that I knew existed because I'd seen it. Right. But it's it's a it's a side of his personality that sort of isn't always there in the press, either because he doesn't want it to be or because the the press wants to get these like, oh, I'm a drug addict. Oh, I'm like a weirdo. You know, when I don't, when obviously like, sure, I've had some beers with the guy or whatever, and I've seen him like take some drugs, but that's not to me that's not like what makes him uh, him you know right. uh, and so so that was like that was definitely one of the first people that i was like okay this is a long shot maybe um maybe not i don't know i mean the, the crazy thing is like when i was a kid growing up listening to no effects they never did any interviews right they didn't do they didn't do interviews for like 12 years or something like not a single one they, they refused to do interviews. So the fact that he was, I was having him on my podcast, like from a, you know, if you told, told 16 year old me, I would be like, well, first of all, what's a podcast. Right. And second of all, it would be like, it would be like, you know, what? Like he's talking to me. They don't even do interviews, you know, which always, always pissed me off too. Cause I always wanted to hear, hear from them. Right. Yeah. And then as a fan and I never could, cause they never, they never did any press. So, um, uh, yeah, so he was one and uh, Jimmy, um, Jim Atkins from Jimmy World. That was another one. And that just happened fairly recently. Yeah. Over the last uh, six months. And um, yeah, those, those are like two that come to mind. But there's been tons. There's probably been, been like 20 or 30 I could conceivably um, list. Right. Because there's that many that I really, really people I really wanted to talk to that I finally got a chance to. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys recently, I say you guys because it's you and uh, Mike Howell now, uh, started kind of a little bonus episode yes. thing that you're doing called This Is The New Shit. Um, talk a little bit about, I guess, the, the idea that went into that. Is it just more, you know, the the weekly thing's cool, but let's put a focus on some, some new music, or was there something else that went into that? Uh, there was, yeah, there's a few moving parts, I think. Um, the, the main one is... For anyone that was, does listen to the podcast, even once, you probably know that I'm constantly talking about the All Access Club, which is basically kind of like a, a, a fan club of the podcast where people can pay a little bit of money every month, and that gets them some bonus content, some you know bonus episodes with some other people, some non-lead singers, uh, some merchandise, and also... Uh, to become a part of a, a community of, of a whole bunch of fans. And, uh, you, you know, we're on a Facebook group and they're always talking and always discussing things. And Mike is a member of the All Access Club. And every week he was putting together these pretty, I, I mean, to use the word extensive, isn't even <laughs> like, it doesn't even scratch the surface, like very intense lists of all the new music coming out every single week, like clockwork. It was like whatever day for, oh, it's Friday. Here's everything coming out. 
So like all the albums coming out and the singles and deluxes and editions and all that. So he, he put put together these lists every single week. And I found myself like really um, finding that that useful. Right. You know, for myself knowing, OK, these records are coming out. And also as a music fan, you know, being like, you know, being like, OK, well, maybe I'll check out this stuff. But what I found to be a little bit difficult um, with any music list is there's so much stuff coming out all the time and there's so little time in the day or in the week to check it out. I was like, okay, well, what if Mike, who's the expert and myself, what if we curated, you know, just a little guide for people so that they can kind of know when to, where to start Yeah. so they can, so we'll pick five records that we think we should, people should check out in any given week. And you know, I asked Mike if he'd be interested in doing it. And originally we were like, well, I don't know if we should do it every week. And it just kind of been happening every week. And it's been, I really enjoyed it, you know, not just because I think, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. I've really been enjoying it, not just because, like, I think it's a really great resource for people. And I think Mike is actually a really actually he's a really great speaker a communicator too but not just because of that but just for myself because this just gives me an opportunity to kind of force myself to check out uh, at least one main record every week and that i maybe wouldn't have listened to either otherwise right and then you know kind of get in tune with a whole bunch of other um, new music coming out so for me just kind of on a selfish note i really enjoy it too and i think that a lot of people have been listening to this podcast coming out every Friday and being like, Oh shit, this like this record's awesome. Or, or like, you know, or I can't wait for this other record or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's definitely, I think been pretty interesting for me too. Cause I, you know, obviously in doing music journalism and stuff. So it's, it's kind of turned my eye to a few bands that maybe I didn't know about or that I wasn't paying enough attention to. Um, I will say though, just a couple of weeks ago, there was a pretty, uh, controversial if you will um uh, number one album and that was uh machine gun kelly getting put at the top of the uh the radar there yeah i mean that record has been very polarizing right with, uh with just about everybody um that that has any interest in you know punk rock or pop punk or or you know the scene because you know you take a guy that you know has some ties to the scene early in his career um, but obviously he ventured off into the rap world and the acting world, you know, and he gets together with Travis Barker and puts together this, this, basically it's kind of like the record Blink-182 should have made. And, uh, you know, people were really like, a lot of people were really high on it because I think personally I, I enjoy the record and I find that it has some really great songs. I think the songwriting is really good and I like the way the the album's put together. Right. So there's people like me, and then there was a whole, whole other side of people saying like, "This fuck this guy, he can't do this," you know, he's he's not, he's not a real tried and true punk rocker or, or whatever, or he doesn't belong in our scene kind of thing, and you know that's the conversation I think that's being had uh, a lot this week, and I think it just just was released, or was it this just this? I don't know when it was, but they. Uh, it was just uh, mentioned that his record was number one, number yeah. one on the billboard. So, you know, obviously with something like that, we don't, 
when when my, well first of all mike mike makes the list i don't make the list right i trust him completely to to do it he's the one that's 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 the expert so i don't have any input um on the list so that was all mike but i think for him to have the foresight that that record was going to make the splash that it had i mean you know maybe some people will say oh it was obvious but I don't necessarily think so. I mean, you don't always know. You don't always know what's um, what's going to be, you know, the the big records and and the the records that are most talked about. Yeah, for sure. And I I think you know when I had heard that he was going to do that project, uh, I was kind of up in the air. I to me it was either going to do really well or it was going to flop super hard. There was no in between where it was like okay he tried like everybody moves on. Um, and I, I agree. I think it's it's got a lot of really good content. Um, I can see where, you know, for lack of a better term, some of the gatekeepers are on the, you know, the picket line, if you will, saying, you know, he can't come in here. But at the same time, it's like, who's to say? You know, like, there have been so many crossovers, and I don't know about you, but I personally think most of the genre lines nowadays are pretty much faded away, and you can you know, transition from one to the other pretty easily. Um, you know, Bring Me the Horizon is a band that has just about every album changed their sound. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I, I mean, even if you take my band, we've done things in the past few albums that I think if you told me when we started we would do, I wouldn't have believed you. Or I would have said that's lame. What do you mean? Keyboard synths, right? Like, like program drums. Like what? That stuff's like, you know, I I wouldn't have been on board. So I think you're right. There's been definitely a big change in in terms of what is acceptable within, you know, I guess we'll just call it the scene for lack of for lack of a better word, or or with certain bands, you know. So with, yeah, with this record, I understand there are people that are the purists um, are are all up in arms about it. But I don't know. I think there's less of those people now. Yeah. People are generally more open minded. And and, you know, I think the, the, the people that are that really know what's going on, um, they've kind of they kind of realize like there's always this has always happened. There's always been major labels putting out punk records. Yeah. And there's always been, you know, people that shouldn't have their hand in the pot, um, trying to trying to stick it in there. And, you know, it, it's I don't know. I think if you look really, if you looked under the under the table or whatever was going on, you'd you'd, you'd see that there's this is more prevalent than people think. So, eh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that the record's pretty good, and and uh, I've listened to it quite a few times and. Uh, actually, surprisingly, so I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, and I, I, yeah, I definitely there's no, agree. There's no rules anymore, so whatever. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I feel like the, the rules went out the window, you know, years ago. And like you said, you know, major labels have always had their agenda and they're going to try to make money wherever they can make it. And, you know, for someone like Machine Gun to come in and be like, I kind of want to do this pop punk-ish uh, album the label's not going to turn their nose up at it if they think they can make money on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how coronavirus really fucked up your tour because we were supposed to talk at the uh, Cincinnati date, 
back in like June mm. and then everything hit the shit fan at that point. <laughs> and so um, talk a little bit about what it was like in in that lead singer, you know, and band with a shitload of momentum, just released an album out on tour and then getting the full stop, everybody go home message. Yeah, you know, with the way you the way you state it like that makes it sound like really simple. <laughs> right. <laughs> there was really nothing simple about it. You know, we we it's hard now to, to like think back and try to explain. Um because I don't know, it's like it's it's been like every obviously like everyone's been living this for, for so long. In a way, like it's sort of hard to remember not ever hearing about COVID nineteen or right. or like remembering a time when that wasn't something you thought about, but there, but I assure you there was, <laughs> <laughs> and we'd planned our 20 year anniversary tour and we had great bands and we were selling so many tickets and, you know, we started the tour and we, we were 10 shows in when actually, well, let, let me back up a little bit. I think we were about six shows in when our album came out on March 6th, Yeah, which is now like in hindsight, pretty much the worst, day you could ever put out a record <laughs> because when it was when it when it came out like the day it came out obviously there was talks about the virus and um you know pretty much china had been shut down and and it was looking like i think there were some cases in the u.s already but like only a few um but you know everybody's got their eyes and ears glued to you know, the media and, and finding out what's going on with this thing. And of course, when after 10 shows in, when we played in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, it was the last show we played, the last like, you know, traditional show we right. played at least, we uh, we had to make the call whether we're going to drive drive south down to Atlanta and play for the fine people in Georgia or if we're going to go home and drive north to Canada and at that time, we we, uh, we really weren't sure, you know. Yeah. We, we didn't know what was going on. It was, it seems like it was be such an easy decision now because everything got shut down and whatever. But at the time, like, they were saying, oh no no, like, it's just, it's just the Pacific Northwest that's having a problem, you know. Like, th there's no cases in Atlanta, so we can go there, and then like Florida's going to be fine. And then, you know, and, and then pretty much by the hour or even less than that, it was changing. Like, okay, we're going home. Oh no, we're going, we're going to play the show. Oh no, we're going home. And so then, you know, we March, whatever it was, 12th, 13th. Yeah. March, it was March 12th was the day, uh, the day we made that decision and we drove all the way home. And, and when we got back, you know, um, it's all anyone's talking about. Right. No one's no one's like concerned about a beautiful place to drown, the new album by Silverstein that came out less than a week ago. You know, so yeah. it was really, really a bad time to put out music. Um, I think now or or like, you know, three, four months ago was actually probably a pretty good time to put out music because a lot of people were just kind of stuck at home and bored. Yeah. But when we put out a record, it was like nobody was, everybody's just watching the news or, or like, you know, reading about stuff. Like no one's even paying attention to anything, you know, music related, especially new music related. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I, 
it it kind of got stuck in the mud, you know, like you're saying, and I think it's because, again, like you said, at first it's oh, it's just like California and Washington, and then it okay, it's it's kind of everywhere, but it's just like a really bad seasonal flu, and then it you know it just kept growing and growing in in severity and and cases and all that. So I mean, I definitely understand where initially it's like, no, nah, it's not that big of a deal. We can we can keep touring, and then. Okay, maybe not. And then when you get home, it, was it almost a little bit of a relief now, looking back, going, we made the right choice? Um, yeah, I think I think we did make the right choice. It was it was pretty hard hard to 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 stomach it. You know, right. we we we'd planned this tour for so long, and it had been going so well. You know, it was you know twenty year twenty year anniversary. We were playing three sets, a two hour show. You know, like it was really, it was the best, you know, the best show we'd ever put together and the, you know, like literally the peak of our career. You know, people always want to think that our band was biggest in like 2005 or something. Right. It's really not the case. We're, we're as big as we've ever been now, you know, yeah. so, so to do this tour and, and it just felt so good to be able to have this new album that we really like coming out and, and you know, our fans coming out in droves to hear, you know, celebrate 20 years with us. So it was like, sorry, just taking a sip of coffee there. Um, you, you know, so it, it really, it really hurt, man, when we had to shut, shut that down. And we saw other bands, because so what happened with us is, is the Wednesday, which I think was the 11th, we played in Charlotte. The 12th, which was the Thursday, we had, we had the day off. And we stayed around in Charlotte um, and then the 13th, which was the Friday, we were supposed to play in Atlanta. And then the Saturday, we were supposed to play in Florida. And, you know, a lot of bands kind of started getting the word, hey, maybe you need to stop touring or stop playing shows around the day we had off, like the Thursday. And we didn't have to make that decision because we, were, we didn't have a show that day. You know, right. but that was like that was like the first day we had a day off in Charlotte and there was a grocery store like across the street. And that was like the last time I saw pasta on a shelf, <laughs> you know, for like a few months. Yeah. <laughs> um, they didn't they didn't have any toilet paper, though, actually. But uh, yeah, you know, but there was it was that the time was 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 really crazy. And a lot of bands had um, they decided to play on that day and then a lot of them played on friday and some of them even played on saturday but but by the time you got to uh saturday night the bands that had chosen to or decided uh to play a lot of them were taking some shit for it you know right um because like i i know there were certain like states and stuff that were like okay you know gatherings but they could only be up to a thousand you know, so people were like, you know, they were like saying, OK, like tickets, you know, tickets to this sh this show. Well, it's twelve hundred cap, but like two hundred people aren't going to be able to get in even that bought tickets. Right. You know, like shit like that. It was like a fucking mess. So, yeah, a lot of bands took a lot of shit for it. And, and yeah, sure. We're happy looking back. I guess we made the right decision, but it didn't feel good. It didn't feel like the right decision at right. the time. Right. You know. 
Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting because I agree with you on a lot of people do think that maybe you peaked back, you know, discovering the waterfront time frame. But then you have to look at like the bands that you guys were were coming out with at that time or that were, you know, big in that moment. Uh, most of them aren't still around. You know, you guys are 20 years deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've still got, you know, Under Oath, who's went through numerous lineup changes now, but um, the used Newfound Glory. Well, not, like, not in like, yeah, well, I mean, Under Oath, that's not really true. Under Oath's had the same guys in the band since like 2004 or something, but um, but they did break up and come back. Right. You know, there was, they took a, the hiatus a fairly or lengthy hiatus <laughs> yeah. and and then aaron aaron wasn't in the band for for a number of years um you know and yeah and you bring up some some other bands that that have you know stayed the course and some that haven't and yeah i, I think like you know there was so much focus put on you know our scene in the mainstream around that time around mm-hmm. 2005 because you know, My Chemical Romance and Fall Boy were both playing Warp Tour, and they were then then Fall Boy was on TRL, and they were putting out you know albums that would end up going multi platinum, you know. And then you saw uh, shortly after that, you saw uh, like the rise of of Rise Against, and and you know putting some screaming on the radio, and you know th- there was like this kind of thing that happened around you know in a few years there. And, you know, I think once that sort of died out, you know, when Fall Boy broke up and My Chemical Romance broke up and um, I guess Rise Against stayed the course too. But, yeah. um, you know, they, 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 aren't, they weren't, I don't know why I brought them up. They're not really good for my point. But, um, <laughs> y- you know, you, ha- you had this, this real hurricane of, of uh, emo for a couple of years and I think the people that were the casual fans that that or I would say casual to moderate moderate fans of the genre, like they probably got into the whole thing because they heard Sugar Were Going Down or they heard Helena or whatever. Right. Um, and then they maybe they ended up buying a Hawthorne Heights record and then maybe they even ended up buying a Silverstein record. And I think that once you know, that phase went away for them and their hair went back to normal colors and they started wearing, uh, you know, less fancy shoes. The, you know, they just assumed that, oh, well, since Fall Out Boy and My Chemical Romance broke up, well, I guess Silverstein broke up too, you know? So people just sort of assumed that we, that we had, you know, went the way way of of, the water buffalo and we really like had been there the whole time you know, uh, getting, putting out better records and our popularity, um, you know, really remained steady and kind of continued to grow um, because w- w- people also wanted to, to think like, oh, okay, well, if they're, if they're naming Silverstein in the same breath as My Chemical Romance, and I saw My Chemical Romance play in like, an 8,000 cap venue. Well, that means Silverstein must be playing on at least 5,000 cap venues. And that's just, wasn't the case. Right. You know, we, we, we were, we were not, we did fine. You know, we were playing the house of blues venues and we were, you know, we were doing great. But when you talk about now, um, we're, we're doing bigger venues now, 
and we're you know at a higher ticket price and all that stuff than than we than we were back then so you know things for us have really really grown which is kind of funny because a lot of people they don't they they refuse to believe it right (laughs) they refuse to believe that it's it's that we're bigger now than we were in like you know the the quote-unquote heyday yeah yeah and i you know i for one i've pushed you guys down some of my friends throats over the years just because like i've got a couple buddies that have never been into anything like really pop punk it's always been top 40 radio for them and i'm like but just give it a chance damn it like you don't understand what's out there. You have to break away a little bit. And, you know, I definitely have had some friends go to, to shows with me, um, you know, whether it was Warp Tour or uh, like Bayside. I, I took a buddy up to Chicago for Bayside that that was his first like emo pop punk show ever. And he's like, why have I never listened to this before? And it's because you guys don't get the radio play. You know, it, it just hasn't been there traditionally. Yep. Yep. And Bayside's a Bayside's a great example of a band that that is very similar trajectory to us, you know. Yeah. Um they started around the same time. They I think their their first album came out like a year later than ours. And they were on and we did lots of tours together and it was the same thing, man. They they had this they kind of were riding the coattails of these big bands you know, but with name, name, um, um, uh, only by name, like, you know, only in the same breath, not touring, not really getting those tours and, and definitely not selling records or playing shows the same size for some reason, people, because they were named in the same people kept checking out this band and Bayside got bigger and bigger and bigger until they, you know, they, they play some massive places, especially if you're talking about, like, the East Coast. Right. Like, they're a huge band now, and they weren't big in 2005. No. Like, no. Like, they, they, they probably, like, name a city. You're from you're the Midwest. Yeah. Like, they're not selling out Bogarts. Forget it. No. Like, no way, you know. But could but could Bayside sell out Bogarts now? Probably yeah. they could. Yeah, I don't know. You know, that. so that's that's, like, that's a great example of how... And a great because that that band is just they've remained so steady, they have not broken up. Their their records they put out so many great records. As a perfect example of of a of a band that's very akin to Silverstein in that, just just continued to, um, uh, just continue to do it, do the thing, and improve. And so many people just they fell off. They fucking went to college or or they had a kid or something, and then they were like, oh, yeah, I remember I used to listen to that crazy music. Like, what? That band's still together? What? They put <laughs> out, like, six records since I last heard of them? And they they, they just, you know, it, it's it's fine, you know? But but the purists know, and the real fans know, and they're the ones that are coming out to the shows anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, it, it says a lot about, you know, Bayside, but you guys, too, especially, like, even through that, you know, this 20 years you guys haven't ever really just stopped up until coronavirus, haven't really stopped touring. It's always been, let's be on the road as much as possible and stuff like that, which obviously mm-hmm. um, I want to talk a little bit about the Kerrang article that you you are a part of, that conversation. And, you know, pretty candidly, you said that was pretty rough on you over the years. And whether you realized it at the time or not, 
Um, and I think that's something that, that kind of goes unnoticed in the music scene up until recently, uh, is the heaviness of the tour schedule where you put out an album and then you're on the road for 18 months, you know, like, or it seems like 18 months. Um, talk a little bit about, I guess that, like, what's the, for you anyway, what's, what's kind of the, how do I want to word this? The heaviness that goes along with that. You talked in that Kerrang article about finding your balance a little bit because you, you realized it finally. When was that? that Well, you know, that's, well, that's really interesting. You bring up that article. Um, you know, and it's funny we touched on the UK a little bit earlier, right? And how they they never wanted to, you know, they didn't like us. They didn't want to cover us. And, you know, it's funny now Kerrang is, has actually been covering us a lot. Yeah. We never had a fucking Kerrang feature, (laughs) you know, I mean, I don't remember ever having one at least. And, you know, so, so they, they, you know, they, they kind of asked me to, they wanted something a little more than just just like, hey, we have a new record. Right. You know? So, and, and like the, the period of time that, that I went through around the recording of Dead Reflection and, you know, pro- the subsequent year was, was yeah, it was a real rough year on me. Um, I just went through a, I went through a tremendously hard breakup and, uh, you know, kind of had my, my life, uh, my life got flipped, turned upside down. <laughs> Uh, you know, and it and it just sort of went a little bit like kind of beyond my control. Right. And it's always scary when you when you get into that to that point. And I don't know if anybody listening to this is can relate to it. But like when you kind of you start to see yourself from like the outside looking in a little bit and yeah. you're like, wait a second, like that's that's not me. Like, are you just something something words will come out of your mouth or you'll do something and like right after it happens you're like wait a second like that's not me you know and you start to lose this control and uh that yeah that that was going on and it was a very difficult time and you know i think the the idea of sort of when you find that out and then you kind of have to retrace your your steps and say okay how did how did this happen like this didn't just Oh, one day I woke up and like there was a gradual, um, you know, uh, journey right. that that kind of led me down this this negative and self-destructive path, right? And we, you know, I remember when we left for our first tour, <laughs> um, you know, back in like our first U.S. tour back in 2003, and our our first album was coming out in a few weeks. You know, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what the, you know, what the next period of time would look look like. But I don't think that I figured, okay, well, you can kind of cross off the next 16 years of my life because uh, this is what I, all I'm going to do. And that's pretty much what happened. You know, we got in the van, we got in that proverbial van. Um, you know, we, we got in the van and we never stopped. Yeah. Uh, of course, the van turned into a bus and turned into a, a lot of airplanes and hotel rooms and all that, you know, and, and things changed. But 
the idea of being away from from your life, the idea of uh, the distraction of the road, um, virtually, I mean, virtually 100% of the time. And people will say, well, what do you mean 100% of the time? You're not on tour 100% of the time. And it's like, you're, you're not, I mean, we did, we did, well, we, well, we, I can say we, I can say we did, I can't say we do now because nobody tours anymore. Right. <laughs> but we, up into, up until March 11th, our last show, we pretty much toured all the time. And when we weren't touring, we were making records or we were planning tours. So when I say a hundred percent of the time, that's literally we're either on the road or we're planning on being on the road. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's that, that kind of lifestyle, it can take its toll on you and can take its toll on your definitely on your personal relationships, you know, like missing, missing all kinds of family, uh, events, you know, like I've been around for Christmas, you know, but other than that, like, everyone's birthdays you miss and you know like valentine's day and like these just these things that like normal people just do um we don't do and that kind of stuff i think can be very very taxing when you um extrapolate that over you know better part of 20 years yeah and you know i think the the kerrang article um, and I don't remember exactly what they said. I, I, I think I read it once. <laughs> Maybe it's not the kind of thing you, you know, like you really yeah. want to go over and over. Cause I was, I was pretty candid with, with that period of time and how rough it really was for me and how, how self-destructive I, I really went. But, you know, um, I, I don't think that I need to need to talk about it too much because, I was and I had a dark I had a dark period of time and I got through it and you know that's that's now it's, it's behind me and I don't think that it's going to rear its ugly head again but you know it it just goes to show that that this this lifestyle and and this uh being in, being in a band thing can be hard and can it can really embody all the clichés and and stuff that you you hear about yeah, and I, I think that's kind of where I wanted to go with it is, you know, not necessarily diving, uh, making you redig it up completely or anything, but kind of showing the point that no matter how happy somebody appears, how successful they appear, whatever the, the case may be, like being on the road as much as you guys, it, it takes a toll. And that's what I wanted to, to kind of portray is that's where the appreciation from the fans kind of comes back in, like um to me anyway being on this side of of the stage uh you know it's always a point for me to try to show up to to shows for the bands that I like and and whatnot and give that extra support because you know there there's a lot of shit you guys sacrifice to be on the road and perform those shows and then when you you know I don't think you guys experience it near as much now but like you show up to a show that's a 1200 cap room and you've got 400 tickets sold like cool <laughs> why am i doing this you know like that's right it it's heavy so yeah, um, go ahead no i mean you're right i mean it's it's there's a constant battle 
that 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 takes place um, within. I think I think well within me for sure, but I think I can speak for a lot of a lot of touring musicians where you know a lot of people from the outside looking in will be like oh well, yeah it's it's so hard to travel the world for free and eat awesome food and get drunk with your friends every night like oh yeah you got it so rough right. you know oh and then you get to walk on stage and like thousands of people are screaming and want to hear your art you know and then you you don't have to work a job you know like oh yeah it must be so hard right and, and like that's the thing is it is pretty great. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like it, I'm not going to say it's not great cause it's great. And that's, that's why I've chosen to do it. But you know, it, it's too much of anything and, and, and the lack of balance in your life can be hard and can be detrimental to your, your health and well-being, Right. Yeah. And that's, that's it right there. I think, you know, and, and there are times when, you get burnout and you can get burnout from anything. And, uh, a lot of people do get burnout and that's why they, that's why bands, bands break up or bands take hiatuses from touring or whatever, you know? Yeah. And I will say this, like, I know we touched on this, like when we first started talking, I don't know when you're going to uh, put up the, you know, what, what part of the, the conversation you're going to start from, you know, but I, I touched on at the beginning of, of our, of our conversation that, you know, this has given me a pretty good opportunity over the last six months to take a good hard look at some aspects of my life, you know, and, and whether it's my personal relationships, um, you know, or getting my shit together, you know, with, with like, just, you know, fixing up my house and doing some work around here that I have to do or, or, you know, developing some skills, you know, um, or, or even, you know, just sorting out some things on like the financial end or the business end of my life that I've neglected, you know, over the years, just because of time, those, all those things. Now you could look at that as like a positive for what COVID-19 era has done to, to, um, to me. And, you know, I don't know. I think, I think I was really scared initially when this all happened because the thing that I'd done for better or worse for my own, you know, <laughs> self right. has been taken away out without against my wishes. But to know, I think that I can survive without it both mentally and financially, I guess. I mean, <laughs> financially is not great, but it's, I can like, I could sit in my house and, and get by, you know, right. Um, it's, it's good to know that at least that I can, can kind of exist, you know? Yeah. Um, and now that, you know, we've went through the, the COVID thing, you guys did the Kornstein special, but more recently you did the, um, the drive-in show. Talk a little bit real quickly about that kind of experience, because obviously that's different than pretty much any, well, for most bands, it would be different than any other show they've played. For you, yeah. was it similar to like a festival show in that concept? Yeah, kind of, it was, it was kind of similar to that. You know, I was talking to, uh, to our, uh, our drum tech stage manager, Spencer about, about it a little bit. And he, and, and you know, I, I, after we did the show, 
I sent him just to send him a message and said, you know, hey, thanks. Thanks for all your all your help and stuff. And he's like, you know, no problem. And he said it was nice to feel normal for a day. Right. You know, and it really did feel normal. Like we rolled up and, you know, we're all backstage, this massive stage that they built. And there's only one support band and they hadn't showed up yet. So like it was a little bit different, but it was the same in that like <clears throat> there's the five of us. There's our crew. We're, you know, building our building our uh, our stage up and, you know, like like sound checking and getting all that ready and making sure the merch is set up properly and all that. And then we're hanging out in the dressing room and we order Thai food and, you know, like all those things that we typically do and talk about and having us all together, it felt really, really, it felt like it could have been, you know, a day earlier in the year. And then stepping on stage felt pretty normal too, actually felt great. And, and then of course you look out and instead of a sea of people, it's a sea of cars, right. <laughs> uh, which was, which was definitely unique, but people were very creative in their social distancing too. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like for example, in the, in the very front row of cars, there was a couple dead center and they were both the guy and the girl were both standing up through their sunroof. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so like they had the best seat in the house, man. They were like, you know, right there, stay up to their sunroof. And, and people had bought like uh, rented um, uh, box trucks and like they were hanging out in the back of the box trucks, like moshing right. and, you know, people are in the back of truck pickup trucks and, and like standing in their cars and like, you know, people were, were doing, were safely, uh, safely watching, but you know, it was cool to see that, you know, people were there and I could see their faces and they were, they were super excited, you know, which helped. I think, I think if I, if everybody was like actually like right in their cars and a lot of people were, don't get me wrong, but right. the few people that were standing on their cars or, or that were, you know, I guess bending the rules a little bit they uh it was cool to see their faces and know like hey they're they're like so jacked up for the show because it's been six months for them too yeah. you know yeah and you know i i posted as a member of the all access club uh i posted in there to see if we could get any additional questions and one that i definitely wanted to touch on that was actually a serious question um is <laughs> from doug um, he, he threw out, you know, now that it's been so long since you guys have done, you know, proper touring, is there something that you kind of realize now that maybe you took for granted while you were on tour that you don't get to experience? Well, thanks for the question, Doug. Uh, you know, kind of all of it, right? Like I can't really, I can't really like think of a specific aspect of it but i just you know i think back to some of the shows that like you know you, you brought you brought up the the 1200 cap room and only 400 people show up right you know and like those kinds of days on tour the kinds of days where maybe you're playing you know some let's just say Boise, Idaho on a Tuesday night. <laughs> um, shout out to Boise. But, you know, when you're playing a smaller city on, you know, a bad day of the week, you know, and you have obviously like a lower expectation for the show. And usually it, it is a lower 
expectation than if you're playing Philadelphia on a Friday night or something like, you know, some like banging city on a banging day of the week. And I think that that's the main thing that, that I look back and I go, Hey, you know, I, I never like, I don't get me wrong. I never fucking took a night off. Right. You know, I never, um, I never said, Oh, well, I don't, I don't care about the show. Like I always went, went as hard as I could every single time, but mentally and the idea of it and being like, you know, Oh, well, now we're in, now we're in Boise. We're not in Los Angeles anymore. The, the whole idea of like certain places or days or whatever being better than other ones. It's like, I regret that I didn't every single time, like, you know, um, like I should have, I should have been way more excited about every single time just to give the opportunity to play, you know, right. um, regardless of what it was or where it was or, if we were playing Jake's in Lubbock, Texas, you know, like we had some amazing shows there and, you know, I never liked that place because you can smoke inside and I like fucking hate that. And, you know, at the same time, it's like, okay, well, I should have just sucked it up and, and just enjoyed it and not like been a little bitch about it, you know? So there's, there's those kinds of things. I think that I look back and I'm like, man, I would play, I would play Jake's in Lubbock, Texas for a month straight right now if I could. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Those those are the kinds of things I think that 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 like the things that I used to I used to do like make fun of or hate or whatever. You know, I'd be like, oh god, we go, we're going to Sacramento's and like we we eat at this place called Jim Boy's Tacos and like and then now I'm like, I fucking love Jim Boy's Tacos. Like what? I, I would eat it every day every day of my life. Like you know, okay, I know it's not like whatever. Do, dos Segundos in Philadelphia, but but I really like Jim Boy's tacos. You know, right. it's just those kinds of things that like you know, you you take for granted, and and it's uh, I think those kinds of things are kind of you know they just they just you look back and you shake your head a little bit and go, man, like it really was wasn't so bad. Yeah, yeah, it kind of goes into you know the thing that our parents always told us, which was appreciate the little things in life. And you don't realize what those things are until they're not around anymore. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's the, that's the moral of the story. And I think, you know, everyone in all walks of life, they have a tendency to, you know, uh, take things for granted. And, um, and I think that's part of what makes us all human, but you know, it's, it's, it does, it is a little painful now though, like thinking back and, and like, you know, really like to be, to be completely honest, Josh, I like don't know if anything's ever going to be the same. Right. Like I, I don't, I don't know. Like, like I want to think it will be, I want to like long for the day that, that like, okay, we're going to all pile into a whatever. I use the example Bogarts cause it's a venue in Cincinnati. Yeah. You know, that I'm sure you've been to a million times. I've been there a million times, you know, and I just think of like, that's a perfect example of, of a venue that like you put 1400 people in and it's just rammed and it's sweaty and it's hot. Yeah. And like, it's such a good time. And I just, even if like tomorrow they said, here's a vaccine and COVID is gone, you know, and okay, like we're, we're going to be playing Bogart's ASAP. I still don't know if it's ever going to be the same. Like if that just the whole attention on social distancing and, 
and you know, and all that, if that's just going to change everything. Right. And honestly, dude, I'm terrified. Yeah. I'm terrified that, that that last show we played in Charlotte is going to be the last time I ever experienced something like that. I don't want to say it because I, I feel like if I say it, it's going to happen. Right. But I, 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 uh, I yeah, dude, it's, it's, it actually, it absolutely terrifies me yeah. that, that that whole mentality could change. Yeah. And, you know, kind of my two things on that is number one, I, I think you're right. I think on, for better or for worse, the focus is always going to be there now on more precautionary uh, measures and things like that. So even if it's, you know, two, three years down the road and we're packing out a 1500 cap room, like, are we actually going to pack it out? Are we, are we still going to, you know, mosh? Are we still going to do some of these things? Is it ever going to get back to that same energy? And I'm in the same boat as you. I want to say yes, but I'm really, really scared that live music is never going to be the same again. And then the second thing is I saw a meme that was like, at first I laughed and then I was like, oh, fuck, man, that's like really true. And it was that somewhere some lead singer was up on stage and said, this is your last chance to get crazy. And they were right. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, like, that's so, that's so fucked. Like we were doing that last, uh, that last show I brought up like four times, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Right. And I think our last song we played that night, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it feels like 10 years ago, but was uh, was Bleeds No More. And like, you know, we had this like really slow midsection in, in Bleeds No More. And then it like it goes to to uh, to um, to that that fast part at the end. And right before I always say, I always say this is your last chance. Yeah. And, and yeah, but that was that, that night, man, like we, I remember playing that show and it was the first time that I, like we were, everyone was talking about COVID and, or well, at that time, everyone called it coronavirus. Right. The name, the name has changed, but, uh, you know, that was the first time when it's like, Hmm, like maybe I shouldn't like after the show go down and shake people's hands. Like yeah. in the, on the front row barricade, like yeah. maybe I shouldn't, because I, I always do that. And it was like, maybe I shouldn't do that. Like there was, there was talks of all that stuff, but I did it anyway. And then we, um, we got off stage and the first thing was, uh, somebody, I think it was somebody from four years strong was like, yeah, Rudy Gobert of the NBA of the Utah jazz, um, has it. And the NBA is canceled. Yeah. And and I was like, I was like, what? And then someone's like, and Tom Hanks has it. Yeah. And I if like, I remember right, didn't, didn't Rudy kind of make light of it like the day before or something like that and then ends up testing positive? Mm. Yeah. He, he like taught, he like touched a microphone or whatever. Like he yeah. was like kidding around about it. And oh, that was, that was a big oof right there. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, like, uh, but of course, like, I don't know, man, I, I think like he uh, he learned his lesson. A lot of people learned their lesson from that. Right. But but like yeah yeah. But but right away. I mean that at that time, I, I we were talking about it backstage. Like this is like minutes after we got off stage, and I said to somebody, I think it was someone in I the Mighty. Maybe I said um, that that might be the last show we play for a very long time, and the guy's face. 
um, I think it was the drummer for I the Mighty, like his face was just like dropped. Yeah. And he was like, like it was half like, half like fuck you, man. Right. <laughs> for saying that. And half like a realization that I'm think I, I, I could be right. Right. You know, there was like, it was just, I can picture his face in my mind, you know, like exactly what the expression was. And we went and we did our meet and greet. <laughs> we had a Purell hands yeah, like a Purell uh, uh, hand sanitizing station. Yeah, which uh, probably could have been sold on eBay for thousands of dollars right <laughs> after that. And yeah, and we we you know we did the meet and greet. That was the last time, and there was no social distancing. There was no like I felt weird about it. I felt like a dick. I was like, well, I'm gonna shake everyone's fucking hand. That's what I yeah. do every time. I felt it felt so strange to not do those kinds of things. Um, you know, cause at that time we weren't, we weren't prepared for it. Right. We didn't understand it. And, uh, yeah, I'm not sure where, where we started on your question, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah. No, you nailed it. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, kind of to wrap things up, I did, did want to touch on, you know, since we talked about machine gun Kelly at the beginning of the episode, um, and we touched on a little bit of some of the stuff you guys have done over the years and tweaking the sound. Is there an artist, kind of to, to close out with a fun question, I guess, is there an artist that you would like to see cross over from one genre to another just to see if they could do it? Um, that's a great question. You know, I I always have, like, this, this weird um, desire in my mind for like bands that show their teeth here and there. Mm -hmm. I always like, I always kind of like long for a band like that to, to just go and, and make like a heavy album, you know? Yeah. And like, uh, like, you know, cave in, I don't know if you're familiar with the band cave in from Boston. Yeah. They put out a, a couple really like heavy kind of metal core ish me metal core before it was called metal core. Um, albums that I really liked and then they went a little spacey and they put out some great some great releases but then they kind of in recent years they've gone back to their um, like some heaviness mm -hmm. and I like love it <laughs> <laughs> so I always think about like a band like like an example that comes to mind is like Thrice you know I always think of how Thrice sounded at the beginning they were kind of like you know more of a punk band and and then they've gone gotten to you know where they are now and i think they're great but i'm always like man i would love to hear i would love to hear them make like a super heavy record you know yeah so for me it isn't like i i never want to like turn any of my i never think in my head oh yeah like this band i really like yeah it'd be really great if they started writing pop songs and getting on the radio like i never want that right sometimes when it happens i like it in fact a, a lot of times i like it but it's never something that i fantasize about in my head but I do fantasize in my head about like, you know, bands, um, you know, bands like getting super heavy again. I mean, Bringing the Horizon, you brought them up. Their their new song, uh, the, is it with Youngblood? Yeah, that thing's a that's a that's a banger. Right. You know, there there's a band that everyone was afraid was going to go soft forever, and then they just put out that song, and it's like, oh, never mind. Yeah. So you know, I think that that uh, I I'm always like, I always. I always like music that's aggressive and, um, you know, kind of like a little bit spastic and a little bit crazy and intense. And, 
you know, I think that that as a fan of a fan of music and listening to music, I always I always enjoy when when bands kind of take it to the next level. So that's kind of what I always like. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I think Bring Me the Horizon is a great example, because like you said, everybody's like, oh, they're not the same as they were. But then they just drop that. And it's like, oh, shit, they still have it like they could do it if they wanted. Right, right. I don't think they're going to go back to uh, the the like the early days of of the you know uh, death core, but uh, right. hey, you never know. Yeah. So that's everything I've got for you, Shane. I really appreciate your time. Um, I do want to give you the opportunity, as if you need it, uh, to to do the standard plug, man. Just you know, tell people uh, where they can find you. Um, you know, obviously we've talked about the podcast quite a bit. I'll link that as well. I'm a big fan of what you're doing, but tell tell fans what you miss about them and, and uh, what you want them to know. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, thanks for listening to me ramble and my stories. Um, and thank you, Josh, for having me. Uh, yeah, people can check me me out on. Um, I think I said it's at Shane Told on everything, and the podcast is at Lead Singer Syndrome or at Lead Singer Sin, depending on your platform. And I put out new episodes every Wednesday. Uh, and every Friday for the the podcast series, this is the new shit. If people are interested in new music coming out every week, they should definitely subscribe to both of those. They're completely free, and uh, on whatever you listen to your podcasts on. Awesome, man. I'm gonna link everything. Obviously, uh, again, I I super appreciate it. This is gonna go up as my one year anniversary show. So. Uh, November the Congratulations. 4th. Yeah, I appreciate that. It, it was kind of one of those... Who's your... Um, Go ahead. Who's your favorite guest you've had in your first year other than me? I was going to say other than you. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, Michaela was a lot of fun to talk to both times. Um, I, I'm i a sucker for Australian pop punk, you know, like, I, I don't know what it is. You sound like Mike Howell. Yeah. Between Stand Atlantic, them, um, I'm gonna forget a shitload of bands, but they they just seem to to bring out a a really solid um, a really solid scene that doesn't I don't think doesn't get the credit that they should. Um, yeah, I think it's the kangaroo meat. They eat. <laughs> well, you've been there, so you know what does kangaroo meat and and Vegemite taste like? <laughs> I've never had kangaroo meat. Right. Um, <laughs> I would never, I would fucking never eat a kangaroo. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's, that just seems so crazy to me. But they do eat it there, like, quite often. Yeah. Um, and they eat, yeah, I think they eat, yeah, I don't know, they eat all kinds of weird shit. Uh, and Vegemite's fucking gross. Don't even, don't even try it, dude. It's gnarly. Yeah. Um, not good. Not good. But they do have good food otherwise in Australia. Like, it's the kind of place, like, if you just roll up somewhere, like some restaurant, I, I, I don't know what it is. They just they have a very high standard for food, and it's also very expensive. Right. Uh, everything is, but but no. Um. Yeah. I. I. Uh, Michaela. I. I'm. I want to get her on my show too. I think, because we we talked about Mike and I talked about the New Year's Truly record, and it was uh, a number one on this is the new shit. So yeah. I feel like anytime there's a number one, we got to try to get the guest. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm sure you you know the girls over at Big Picture Media, but um, that's who oh, yeah. who hooked me up with her, and um, she's she's great to talk to. There's uh, you know, it's hard to say. Like I just talked to a dude. You might get into his stuff, um, or you may know of him. Uh, Boy becomes hero. Andrew uh, Brittingham. No, I don't know. Okay, so he does. It, 
he's got two albums out now. The new one just dropped, but he's done some uh, work with like Garrett Rapp. He just had Johnny Craig on the new album and everything, but his is kind of a um, very conceptual album in that it's all storytelling. It reminded me a lot of uh, Coheed and Cambria's uh, Armory Wars. So mm-hmm. he's got all that going on. And then he um, is partnered up with To Write Love on Her Arms. So he's actually donating all the profits and everything from this album straight back to To Write Love on Her Arms. So just a really cool, you know, conversation with him about kind of that side of things. Yeah, nice. Nice. Well, congrats on the one year, man. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I'll obviously let you know when it goes live and all that. But, you know, keep doing what you're doing, too, because I, I definitely appreciate everything you're putting out. And um, I'm trying to bring as many people as I can. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the drywall work I have to do in my basement. I'm like, I will keep doing that. Well, I mean, <laughs> I did, I did see about that on the, uh, I watched the, uh, <laughs> oh, the Patreon last night. So the, the machine gun Kelly talk and you brought yeah. that up. So, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> well, it, thanks man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, you know, can't wait for tours to start again. Cause I'm messing live music real bad. No, no, dude. Well, hopefully it comes back in some, some of the, you know, same, somewhat of the same form as we know, and, uh, we can all rock out together and, uh, yeah, man, I'm with you. Awesome, man. I appreciate your time so much, Shane, and, uh, yeah, look forward to interacting on All Access Club and we'll go from there. Yeah, man. Take care. You too. All right. Bye. Yep. And that was my conversation with Shane. So... Obviously, I think you guys need to go like, subscribe, follow, whatever. Uh, All of Shane's social medias, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Uh, Same with Lead Singer Syndrome, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you guys get your podcasts, Lead Singer Syndrome should be available. And yeah, check out some of the stuff that he's done. It's really one of my favorite podcasts, in all honesty, because, as he said in the episode, he always tries to do his research and things like that. But there's something about hearing a musician talk to another musician because of the level of insight that they have and the the conversations that they're able to have from a relatability standpoint and it just opens things up and it it's really super cool and Shane is such a great conversationalist that you know uh, none of the podcasts that I've heard him uh, have with anyone feels strictly like an interview or anything like that Um, really appreciate him taking the time to do the episode with me um and be the one-year anniversary show. Uh, how cool is that? So what a great way to to really kick off year number two, uh, end year number one, and, and kick off year number two, I guess. And looking forward to having tons of more guests and great conversations and be somewhere that you guys can come to get away from the world for a little while and find new music or, you know, learn some stuff about some of your favorite bands and things like that. Um, super appreciate all the support you guys have given me as well. Definitely does not go unnoticed. Um, I try to 
reply to as many people as I can on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you know, if you do shoot me an email or something like that, uh, I try to get to those as well pretty responsively. Um, but yeah, definitely think that we've got something cool. We're going to keep running with it. Even when touring starts back up, I'm planning on still doing the podcast because I think it's cool. And I think you guys will enjoy more of those conversations, even maybe even more so in person and, and whatnot. So if you guys could, and I know you can, go give me a like on Facebook at You Make the Scene, Instagram at You Make the Scene. Give the podcast a like, subscribe, follow, whatever they call it on whatever platform you are listening to me on. Um, and go like, subscribe, follow Lead Singer Syndrome, Shane Told, and I'm going to tell you, you guys need to be a part of the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. Uh head over to leadsingersyndrome.com. You can sign up there. There's a really cool uh, Facebook group that's a private group that you're a part of by doing that. Uh, Shane sends out really cool little packages to people when they hit different monthly milestones with, you know, having subscribed for so many months or whatever. And the packages get bigger and bigger. Um, you know, the, the longer you've subscribed to them and, and stuff like that. Um, it really is a great way to, to help him out and, you know, keep his podcast, uh, free and moving forward and, and things like that. Uh, as for me, if you want to give some additional support and appreciation, uh, head over to youmakethescene.com slash shop. Any of the merch you pick up obviously helps me. Um, would greatly appreciate that. And speaking of the merch, if you've made it this far in the episode, and I know it's a long one, but if you've made it this far in the episode, what I want you to do is on this post, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram, the post about this episode with Shane told the one year anniversary episode. I want you guys to comment. Um, obviously I need you guys to like and follow me on either of those platforms, but comment with let's do hashtag happy birthday. YMTS. Uh, for you make the scene, obviously. And I am going to pick some people. I don't know exactly how many yet because I feel like one is unfair. So I'm going to pick some people and they will get a message from me and I will be sending a free t-shirt of your, uh, of your choice from our designs and that'll be on me. So I'm going to do, let's say, I'll do up to 10 people. Let's do 10. I don't know why, but that sounds like a good number. 
again, you've made it this far in the episode. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow, share, uh, all of that stuff. Go over to either Instagram or Facebook on the post about this episode, the Shane Told episode. Comment, hashtag, happy birthday, YMTS, for your chance to get free merch. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, It's been a super long episode, so I'm not going to take you out with a song. But I am going to say, you need to go check out Silverstein's new release of old releases. Uh, They're doing several songs uh, as kind of redux versions. Uh, The redux version of November just came out. If you head over to the website, you'll be able to see it on this post. Uh, But yeah. Super appreciate you guys. Um, Looking forward to many, many, many more interviews. And that's all I've got for you guys this week. Remember, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And you make the scene.